the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast and thank you for joining us again today on Season 2, Episode 9, as we continue to speak to leaders and experts, innovators and game changers from inside and outside our industry. We hope you're enjoying this season so far. I am genuinely having a whale of a time. We've already covered such awesome subjects as mindfulness, um, building a better business, and even CPD. Make sure you're also checking out our second weekly episode, which usually comes out on a Wednesday or Thursday. That's The Green Room. So if you hit subscribe when you listen to this, The Green Room will also go straight into your feed every time that drops. That's where we're talking to people about the latest goings on within our industry. So this week, I was joined by Ian Brett of the DITC, and we spoke about the trailer test being scrapped, the B&E test being scrapped. And we got Ian's opinions on that and Ian's thoughts. And also, I shared a few of mine as well. As for today's episode, we are joined by um, a longtime supporter of the show, Lee Sperry, who is, come on, and he's talking to us. Well, the the big thing he's talking about is his journey from being an instructor to being a coach and the, the route he took to take that, how it affected his pass rate. He even tells us about the time that he had a year with a 100% pass rate there's a lot of good stuff from this show make sure you give it a listen and there's a lot of stuff you can take away and apply to your own business as well so let's get stuck in so welcome to the instructor podcast i am your host as always terry cook and we're joined by uh, the wonderful human being that is lee sperry how are you today lee I'm very well, thank you, Terry. Um, how are you? I am uh, fantastic, as always. It's great to have you on. It's great for you to join me. In fact, you were one of the first ever instructors that actually asked to come on the show. So, uh, and and at a time, and I don't, I didn't speak to you about this beforehand. So I'm kind of, I'm hoping to embarrass you a little bit before you even start. But at the time, I just released the instructor, and I was really kind of sensitive about how it might do. And, you know, worried that it was just going to be a bit shit. And then you messaged me like, Terry, um, can I come on your show? Blah, 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 blah. And it made me feel like 10 foot tall. Like someone had asked to come on the show. So before we even get into anything, just taking this opportunity to thank you for that. Oh, very welcome. Um, um, yeah, it's something I've sort of wanted to do for a while, you know. So it's a great podcast. So I thought, why not be part of it? I agree, it is a great podcast. Uh, and I'm also going to give you some credit as well. In having the, the gumption and, and the wherewithal to do it, because it is quite a scary thing to do, put yourself out there and say, can I come and do this? And I know it's something that you were a little bit apprehensive about. So before we even go any further, how did you actually kind of pluck up the courage to do that? Um, I think I think I'm quite an attention seeker. <laughs> uh, I like attention. If people listen to this and they think I'm great, then it will make me feel wonderful. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, and also I think that um, as I've been in ADI for sort of 13 years, there might be things that people can take away from it and, you know, develop because of it in the same way that I have when I've watched other episodes of The Instructor Podcast. Brilliant. Uh, and speaking of that, you've been in a, an ADI for 13 years. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about uh, some key things around Lee Sperry. Uh, well, um, yes, yeah, so I, I used to be a retail manager. Uh, I used to be the manager of the mighty Blockbuster Entertainment Limited UK. Um, I also had spells at Tesco and Home Bargains. Um, and yeah, I just, the, the bit that I enjoyed the most about that was the developing people, uh, developing staff, taking people from, you know, your standard till monkey to like management um, and helping them along the way and training them. So when I left retail, this was kind of a natural fit for me because it was in retail, you do a lot of spinning plates, like recruitment, merchandising, sales, rotors, hiring and firing. And, and people development. So I thought it'd be a really good thing to just concentrate on people development and not have all those other plates spinning at the same time. 
One of the things you mentioned to me uh, about the sort of the reason you wanted to come on to the show was to speak about coaching and sort of your transition, if you like, from being an instructor to being a coach. Just talk to me about that. Let's dive straight into that. The the transition from becoming an instructor to becoming a coach and maybe what you think the difference is. Well, um, probably the first thing to say about it, it was a little bit forced. It's at the beginning. It was like, you have to do this now. Um, after going through the old style check test, as they were called, and getting top grades on there, when they decided, uh, they being the DBSA, um, decided that everything was going to happen differently, I sort of didn't take any notice of it for probably about, well, ever. <laughs> um, and then I had a standards check, and I did a lesson, and it was really good. And my learner was really happy. And the examiner came back out and said, you failed. And I was just in shock. Um, so it was like the whole transition kind of passed me by. I was doing my own thing uh, well that I thought it was well. Um, and it was rubbish. And it wasn't what they wanted anymore. Um, so my first steps into coaching and being client-centered were because of sheer panic and fear of failing two more times and uh, losing my job that I love. So that was the initial um, thing into it. Um, but the more I got into it, the more I, you know, trained for it and the more research I did on coaching and client-centered learning, just the more massively beneficial it was to learners. Um, and so many different problems that I used to have just never happened now. Um, it's just a wonderful thing that everyone should embrace, not just a few. When you say the, the, the problems that used to happen but don't happen now, what can you give me an example of some? Because, yes. again, I'm someone that's embracing coaching, but someone that's maybe a bit more hesitant. Um, my way was great. My, my, my instructional ability was wonderful. Uh, in the opinion of me um, and I did it my way and because it, it worked you know I had a really good pass rate I had I think at one point I think 2014 I had like 28 passes in a row like over a year like undefeated for a year the invincible year of 2014 and um, yeah everything was going really good um, but you know occasionally I'd get learners that it just didn't work with and I'd always put that down to them it was always them. Um, they didn't like the way I did things. So see you later. <laughs> Go yeah. find someone else then. Um, and that used to happen, not all the time. You know, it was a minority of situations where that happened. But it did happen. And I feel now as a coach where it's very much, you know, I'm going to be flexible about what how you learn and how you like to do lessons. Um I've never had that problem since. I've never had someone that I can't work with. Am I right in thinking that, pre, I'm sure you told me this once, that you used to have um, like a, a pass-first-time guarantee? Yes, pass-first-time or free lessons forever was the slogan. Um, and it was ridiculously successful. I had people coming from London up to Little Blackburn to uh, to do lessons. Um, but like I said, because I think it was around the same time, so it was that, that after that amazing year of 2014, my pass rate was, you know, late 80s, early 90s percent. So I thought, well, if it's going to attract so many learners because it's such a unique offer and I'm only going to have one person in 10 fail, then it's it's worth it. It's worth the, the free lessons for the one out of the 10 people that, that fail. Um, so, yeah, that's why I did it. And it was ridiculously successful <laughs> so what's your pass rate now and not for a specific number but as in is it similar to what it was before has it no, changed no 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 um it's probably about 65 percent. i think um it's probably a bit less now last, last year um i think it's i think it's gone down since i stopped being very test focused um and i think that you know I used to have a lot of people that were really good at passing the test first time because I needed them to financially. 
Um, but I weren't really concerned about what happened after that, where I think, because I'm a bit older now, I've kind of grown up and I don't see the examiner as the devil like I used to. It was very much a us versus them kind of, you know, on the test state was like, you know, we're going to stick it to him and we're going to show him we can do it. And it was just, it was just rubbish. And it was very childish as well. And I, I, I do worry about the people that, you know, only pass because I used to take them to all the places in Blackburn where everyone failed. And I had like a, what I called a hotspot list. And about two weeks before the test, we'd drive around the hotspot list and they would do the things that everyone does in them places that fails, but then not do it on the real test. Um, so, yeah, I think that really drove it up. Um, it was very successful, but it was very test-centered and that's completely not what I'm about now um, since I got into coaching. So... With those hotspots that you mentioned, did you find that you still go to those places now, but you don't take the same approach about them? So it's not, we're going here and because you might come in on your test, or do you find now you're going there more like, this is an area that's difficult to navigate, so we're going to go and learn this? Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it was, I think the end of that really came from when I stopped planning the lesson and planning the routes. You know, so now it's very much about, you know, what do you want to work on? And then, you know, if they've planned that the lesson before, then I'll create like a provisional plan based on what they want to do and say, well, you said you wanted to work on this thing today. How about if we do this route? You know, so it's very, the the, the routes are very specific, not routes, but kind of, you know, the, the, the practice area for the specific subject. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's probably less about that than, than it used to be but I, I just used to think that I, well I just was very test focused that that's all I cared about <laughs> and now I care about person and that's how it should be so what would you say to the instructors listening to this that are um, that hear you say that your pass rate has gone down potentially but you're almost celebrating that, not that specific thing, but you, you, you know, there'll be people that use that as a stick to beat coaching with. So with yes. those people, how would you respond to that? Um, I'd say the, the the kind of change between being instructor and being a coach hasn't affected the past, but it's other things as well, to be fair. Like I, I lived in Liverpool for four years um, and the majority of my customers were foreign nationals, Chinese, uh, Albanian um, there was one an Iranian guy that I taught to drive and he didn't understand a word of English and I used to have to put the lesson notes through the Google Albanian translator before I emailed him the notes at the end of the lesson um, and everything was very visual pointing and showing him diagrams and um, yeah we got through it but I think when English isn't your first language learning to drive is harder so I think the pass rate took a bit of a dive uh, because of that. Um, but I would say the end product, the person that's going for the test is better now than they were. But on the day, they might not look as good because they've not done maybe all the hotspots in the area or, you know, stuff like that. But I think the end, the end product is a much more safety conscious person rather than someone that knows because again because it was very forced because it was you must do this if you want to pass first time you have to do this and you have to do that and you've got to go in second gear there and you've got to stop there and it got through the test but what happened after that <laughs> is yeah. my fear you know and now I know because of how I coach people now that when they go on the road they're going to be fine and that makes me feel better inside <laughs> good so when we're talking about coaching, I'm going to use the term instruction for, for non-coaching. Um, how would you define the two? What would you say the difference was? Um, I think instruction is very much about the hierarchy, the you know the old way of teaching, the amazing instructor and the stupid learner that knows nothing and that the massive gap between the two of you. Um, a bit like a you know a teacher in a classroom, how that used to be when I was at school back in 90s um we had teachers that were you know have been teaching for 40 years and they used to throw bloody dust dust board you know 
yeah. things, throw it across the classroom, pieces of chalk. And I think, you know, I think that people that teach like that get less out of the person than if you're if you're coaching them and you're on like a an even like an equal level. You know, you you two people working together to achieve a goal, an outcome, um, rather than someone that's dictating to you. Um, you know, because it's it's one that's like that the people that I used to instruct they were always going to go and do their own thing anyway after they passed without the safety of your controls. They were always going to develop their own style. But if you let them develop their own style now in the dual control car, then they won't feel as curious when they pass the test. And then they're less likely to go and do crazy stuff. Like what happens if I go into fifth gear on this road? You know, well, you'll find out on the lesson and then you'll find out that fifth doesn't work on that road so then you won't do it again you know so they they're learning through experiences rather than just doing what they were told which is how it used to be you know when it was just you do what i say because i'm the instructor do you think that's where that that term that we banded about a lot comes from the one um you only learn to drive once you pass your test that statement is on my website right. <laughs> uh watching out for people that say that because they are the ones who are exactly that if, if that's how you feel then you're not being coached properly you know you're being instructed and you're thinking i'm going to do what you say because i want to pass my test like all my learners used to do and then they're going to do the wrong thing after the test but if they learn how to drive while they're with you and they learn their own style and how they're going to do things and you learn from mistakes while they're in a safe environment then they're not going to be like that when they're on their own, or they're, or they're less likely to be, should I say. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, because I had a, a student not so long ago uh, say to me, I can't remember their partner or their mate, but they're like, my mate says that uh, you only learn to drive properly once you've passed your test anyway. I says, what are you paying me for then? <laughs> and she's like, just paused for me and went, oh, yeah. Yeah, I should be able to drive, should I? And I'm like, yeah. Because if you can't drive, then I haven't done my job very well, have I? Yeah. And I, I think that was a moment that clicked for me as well, suddenly me realising, yeah, because if you pass your test and you can't really drive anywhere, then I haven't done my job well. And, and one that sticks in my head massively, and I think I might have said this somewhere before, so apologies to, to the listeners if I have, but I taught someone in, in Bradford and she passed second time and she was a brilliant driver. Um, but she passed second time and she was devastated because her sister passed first time, but I didn't teach her sister. But she's driven all over the last that I've taught. She sends me pictures now and again from, you know, different places she's been, and she's been up to Scotland and back and all sorts. Her sister won't leave Bradford. And I take that as a massive compliment, and I've said to her a couple of times, which would you rather, pass second time and doing what you're doing, or pass first time and doing what your sister's doing? It's like, yeah, drive all over. And I think that's I think, key. I think the other change as well has been my opinion of the test and how I put it across to the learner because obviously when I did when I was an instructor and it was very much past first time or three lessons forever so for me it was like if they failed first time and passed second time that's a failure to me I wanted to be the instructor with the best pass rate in the whole country because I think that that's probably because of my retail background it's all based on targets and which store is the best store in the area and I got my blockbuster store to number one out of 711 lobster stores and they flew me to New York for a week and I didn't even have a passport. Um, <laughs> so my whole background has been about targets and being number one. So I think naturally when I became an instructor, it was like I want to be the instructor that has the best pass rate. And that's another reason why I became very focused on that. So when someone failed the test, it was heartbreaking for me personally. I wasn't upset for them. I was upset for me. And it's just the crappiest way of doing the job in my opinion uh but now you know I, I sort of speak to learners about how the test is an experience and how failing it is a good thing you know because i had someone that uh, she was following the sat nav um a few years ago when it first started and the sat nav said turn right and the first road on the right that she saw was a no entry side road on a one-way street coming the other way and she just turned into it and obviously she failed the test and she was the first one where I sat down with her and I said you've got a little 
you've got a little girl. And she was like, yep. So imagine if you'd have passed your test and then done that tomorrow and driven down a one-way street. You know, so I always say to my learners that all the serious or dangerous thoughts you could get, I'd like to do them in our lessons and I will allow you to drive freely and without restriction so we can catch them things, learn from them things and be better as a result. Um, but if you happen to fail your test because you've done one of them, then that's a good thing because that's not you doing it in real life when you're going to hurt yourself or your loved ones. So that's my you know opinion of the test now is very much about if you pass, that's really good. If you fail it, that's a blessing that you'll appreciate one day. Um, and, you know, so that's completely through, you know, like just completely turned around my my own perception of the test day. Uh, and it's interesting that you say that because it's actually the approach I take with my guys. And it's something I've always done without meaning to. And I think that comes from a little bit of my coachy background. And it's not an intentional thing. It just comes natural. And I've, I've always said the more mistakes you can make on lesson, the better. Because well, like yeah. you say, you'll learn from them. And and even with a test, I've always just referred to it as a reflection of real life driving. And as you said, if you make a mistake, hopefully the examiner will cover you if they need to. You know, yeah. they're not, it's not their job to do that, but hopefully they do. And then again, you learn from it. And I always think, you know, you zoom out and look at the big picture. Ten years time, you walk over your pass first or second time, you know. And I've said before, I I passed on the fourth attempt, you know, when I took my test, and I use that as a win now because I can relate to to my guys going into a test. I was shaking like a shitting dog when I come to my test. Look how I was. I was atrocious. I didn't get trained properly on my first two and all this kind of stuff. And I can I can use that now. To, to to build them up but at the time it didn't feel like it but if you, if you can zoom out and look at it I think that's a big thing but the other thing I want to ask you about because you kind of and I, I get admittedly I've been using the phrase of, of instruction and instructor but you've used that phrase a, bit, a little bit as well talking about when I was an instructor yeah <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate slightly with this one because you're still an ADI an approved driving instructor so all those those other ADIs that will now say to you, yes, but you are an instructor. That's what yep. your job title is. How do you justify that in, in that sense? Um, that's the job title, isn't it? But I might be an instructor, but I don't really instruct as like the first way of teaching people or, or coaching them. You know, I think um, it's something that Bob Morton said, how it's like a like a toolbox, you know, and instruction is, is is in there you know that's a tool you have available if you want to use it it's just not 100 percent like instruction like it used to be it's not a dictatorship like it used to be <laughs> yeah no, that's that's a word i use a lot of dictatorship as well and, and the one of the biggest moments for me was uh, i don't know if you've read the book by uh, jed and claire wilmot who's in the driver's seat now that's a great book, and I recommend that anyone that's that's listening goes and, and has a read of it because that that explained it brilliantly to me. Uh, the, the whole aspect of client-centered learning in that just because you're coaching or because you're applying client-centered learning doesn't mean you can't shout stop, or doesn't mean you can't grab the wheel or say don't yeah. crash into that bus or whatever. That it's it's a whole encompassing thing. So, and you've got to be called somewhere. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that's relevant. There's no point changing the the initials to ADC just for sake of it. I think people would get very confused as well. I think from a customer point of view, they, they would get very confused if there were suddenly no driving instructors. You know, so I think it's a, a long-standing job title that people could recognise and go, "That's what I need," and he's one of them. <laughs> I think that's a really valid point about the job title aspect. It's not something I considered. You know, you'd stop calling this something else, and stu students and other learners won't know what they, what we are essentially. I mean, on my website, it does say I'm a, a driving coach, but it does have a section where it discusses what the difference is between the old way and the new way. Because um, I just wanted to put that out there and share kind of my thoughts on you know, why it's better, because it's so much better, you know, and if, you, if you've been a coach, you know, since the standard checks come out, you won't really appreciate how better it is. And if you haven't adapted and become a coach since it came out and you're just still being old school, you won't appreciate it until you try it. But just from my personal experience, it's amazing how just 
easier though. The days are easier. I don't ever dread a lesson anymore. Like I, I have done in the past. I think every lesson is just so different and it's just, you know, what do you need from me? And I'm just here to help you, you know, rather than today we're going to do this or, you know, it's just, it's just so much better. But I think going back to the job title thing, um, it's kind of similar when the AA driving school bought BSM. They kept BSM. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't change it. It was because it's not such a recognizable thing when you see it. BSM, you know, it's like the oldest driving school in the UK. So if you get rid of that brand and then people see AA cars and think, oh, I thought they just did roadside, you know, recoveries and stuff, you know. So it's sort of, it's important to keep the, the job title because that's how people see us. Definitely. Um, you mentioned there a couple of times as well about your website, and I'm uh, I'm going to give you another little shout out now because uh, I have a, another podcast. Well, I've got a few podcasts, but another podcast called the Five Minute Theory, and, and and when I released that, you actually embedded that into your website. Um, so first of all, you know, kudos for for having the the wherewithal to take this wonderful masterpiece. It is a five minute theory and put it in your <laughs> website, but also you know, I like that that someone like yourself is taking that approach and providing more to the students and not being afraid to talk about on their website, this is what I do. And I think that we're often uh, guilty of not putting ourselves out there and not almost experiencing new things. And you'll notice this is a brilliant segue to my next question. Speaking of experiencing new things and trying new things, you recently, um, maybe not transitioned, but had a little play, a little dabble in in a different area. And you were working with people whose vehicles needed adapting to suit their needs. Um, I haven't spoken to you about this. I've known you've done it, and and um, but I'm intrigued just to to find out how you got on with that and what you found. How rewarding was that? Um, oh, it was it was excellent. It was really. I mean, it's basically and it's basically what we do, but on another level, you know. So if you've got a learner who doesn't like you can't paint a picture in your mind, you know, of, of like a task. You would sort of get like a diagram out and you'd show them that and they'd be like, wow, I can, I get it now because you're showing me like a visual representation of what you were saying before. And when you were saying it, I didn't get it, but now I've seen it on the diagram, I get it. Um, so you're kind of adapting to their needs or someone that, you know, if you if you try and get them to do something and they struggle and you say, would you like me to give you a demonstration? And then they've got that option. So it's, it's about giving people options um, and finding, you know, which way is best for them and adapting your lesson around them. So this is kind of like a whole different level because you'd get someone, for example, there was a girl with cerebral palsy and her, she couldn't use her right-hand side at all. Um, her right foot and her left uh, right arm, she couldn't use them. So... You know, with the the diff, different adaptations you've got in the car, we put like a little. Uh, it's called a ball uh, on the wheel, so she can steer with one hand all the way around. Um, and then there was um, like a little adaptation where you can indicate with it and put wipers on and do the horn or with the thumb <laughs> while you're holding the ball. Um, and then you've got the the hand controls instead of the pedals for people that can't use the feet. So it was just it was just so fascinating to have them in initially and discover their needs and figure out a way to help them and have having the adaptations there to suit literally anyone that needed it. You could find something that worked for them. And I'd say the most rewarding part of it was just they didn't think they could drive. And then they're driving around the car park or driving around the stadium where we were. And they can drive. And that look on the face of, I can do this. Despite my limitations, I can I can drive now. And that was a brilliant experience. So we're just taking a moment to pause the show to thank you for supporting and to invite you to go and check out our subscription feed, which is patreon.com forward slash the instructor. So Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N 
com forward slash the instructor and you can always find the link in the show notes or social media or even take a moment to message me over there you'll get access to a whole host of bonus shows that we're providing including the green room which you'll get the full length green room early and ad free every time it drops on top of that there's a host of bonus shows that are currently in there and they're added regularly also make sure You're also tuning in on the 30th of September, where we're celebrating International Podcast Day by having a six-hour live podcast. So over on my Facebook page, I'll be broadcasting that. I've got six guests coming in, one each hour to join me. We're doing a six-hour monster marathon podcast. Now, I don't expect you to join me all for six hours, but make sure you dip in and out and say hello and that'll also be released as a podcast as well. But thanks for listening. Make sure you check out that subscription feed at patreon.com forward slash the instructor. But for now, let's get back to the show. Awesome. I mean, it sounds really rewarding. Um, it, you know, it's like an extreme example of working with someone who's got no confidence. That's what it sounds like to me when you yeah. take them from not believing they can drive, mm. whereas these people have got an actual something physical that's stopping them and you're showing them actually, no, it's not stopping you. You can still do this. That you just can bridge it, awesome. yeah. it's, it's just bridging the gaps. It's just really great that, you know, that sort of thing is out there. Um, yeah, it's just awesome. <laughs> it just, but, it just blew my mind. I'm going to tie that back into the, the, the transition to coaching a little bit, though, in that that's you stepping out of your comfort zone. So, like you said, it, um, going from, from instructing to coaching only occurred when you were forced to, um, so it wasn't necessarily something you were comfortable with. Mm. Asking to come on here wasn't necessarily something you were comfortable with. Going and doing this, this, this new job role wasn't necessarily something you were comfortable with. And that's a big part of what this podcast is about. It's about giving people ideas and giving them alternative options of things they can try. So whether they want to embrace coaching or teaching a different type of clientele or whatever it may be. Uh, speaking of which, little plug, uh, go check out the Instructor Facebook group that's now active, or will be when you actually release this episode, Terry, um, <laughs> that's now active, which is which is embracing that. And, and I think that what you've described there kind of sums that up. You've taken this role of a, as an instructor and almost gone, right, how can I diversify for, from this? What would you say to anyone that was, I'm going to use your examples, that wanted to change the way they taught or they wanted to change some aspect of their job role or wanted to appear on a podcast but was too scared to message and say, can I come on your show? What would you say to those people to actually encourage them to do it? Um, it's just like most things in life that you just got to do it you just got to give it a go and see see how it fits you know you might try something and you might not like it you don't have to do it again uh or you might love it and like i said with with coaching it was what do i need to do to pass this bloody standards check because i was really good at the old one and rubbish at the new one so there was nothing in between you know so i started to look into things that i needed to do in order to pass it but then I really enjoyed it and I thought this is actually really good and it's just a phenomenal and the speed in which people learn as well has changed I find that people pick things up so much quicker when you allow them to learn how they learn rather than the old way which was some people would pick it up really quickly because they liked the way I taught it just happened to be a good match and other people would take hours, like 40, 50, 60 hours because they didn't learn because of me. They learned despite of me. <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. it's all about, you know, what fits them, what works for them. It's all about them. Um, and it just makes the job really enjoyable. Like I said, I used to really struggle with people that didn't get my way of doing things, um, you know, and to the point where they didn't learn with me anymore, you know. Um, but like I said, I've never had that since. And, you know, some, you know, you do obviously get people that are kind of taken back by it. They're like, but you're the instructor. You know, you should be telling me what to do, not, not me, you know, me telling you. You know, and I always say the same things to them. Like, you know, if you hired a butler for two hours and they came into your house and started shouting the odds and telling you what you were going to have for dinner and what you, you'd, you'd sack them, you know, and that's what I always say to learners, you know, especially ones that have, you know, moved away, like I've got some that are going to uni and 
picking up new new instructors in the next couple of months. And I say, whatever you do, don't get an instructor that tells you what to do because you won't like it. <laughs> it's not what you're used to. And you might learn in spite of them and it might take a lot longer. You know, if, you're, if your instructor doesn't act like a butler that you've hired for two hours, then they're not being client-centered. I, I think that epitomizes the difference between me and you in that you say hire a butler I say get a decorator in. <laughs> so you get the decorator in, you let them use all the tools they want, but you don't let them choose the colour of your living room. Yeah, so, yeah, butler, yeah. decorator, whatever. It's still someone that you've hired and you've paid for that you should have, you know, control of, of your own lesson. You know, it's just, it's just you know, if you speak to parents and the, the parents fill their children with how they think it's going to go, Oh, your instructional, they'll make you do this and they'll make you do that. And because that's how they learn. So sometimes it's a bit of a surprise, you know, and I always say to my learners, I'm not going to teach you how to drive. And the look on the face is, is, is priceless. They're like, what? That, that's why I'm here. I say, no, I'm going to facilitate your learning and I'm going to provide you with experiences. And then we're going to talk about them experiences and figure out what was good, what was bad. And then you can take all the bad things you've done and throw them out the window and just do the good things. And what you've done there is you've created your own driving style that you're going to use for the rest of your life rather than me filling your head with all my amazing wisdom. Do you still find or do you find that um, sort of 90% of the knowledge they need, they've already got? There's only bits that you have to fill in here and there. Well, of course. So it's like, you know, I like to work with like a like a building block process. You know, I found that that's really helpful. So we talk about, you know, first lesson, use of mirrors. They, they know about, you know, what would you do if you were a pedestrian crossing the road? What would you do? Uh, well, I'd look left and right. And what would happen if you didn't look left and right before you crossed the road? Oh, I'd get run over. So that's how you use your mirrors. Okay, so you already knew that. And then you might have to help them with the controls, but it's amazing how quickly people pick up the controls now when you do it interactively like i'll take them to maybe a car park and i'll say okay set off and they'll stop say right you now know how not to bring the clutch up try it again oh you've got it okay so now you're moving i want you to stop and they'll press the brake and we'll nearly go through the window so now you know how not to break how are you going to do it next time oh do it softer and they're learning you know through touch and feel you know, manual dexterity, touch and feel. Um, and then, you know, we set up a process for moving off and parking up based on the knowledge of mirrors and controls. We set up a process for basic junctions based on the knowledge of setting off, moving, parking up and mirrors and controls. And it's just a, like a building block process. And whenever they get to a new subject, it's all the things you already know, plus this new little thing. And they, they learn at a phenomenal speed now. It's it's great. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I find a lot for, and this isn't me aiming to criticize any instructors out there. So I need to listen in. If you take offense to this, it's your choice. Um, but often when I'll get students from other instructors, they'll have been working on roundabouts or they'll done parallel parking, but they can't set off and pull up at side at road properly. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's you're just, not alone with that. <laughs> yeah it just baffles me and i just think the thing i always put across is if you can set off from the side of the road perfectly could you do that at a junction and then yeah, they'll be like, exactly. yeah. so it's, then, it's building up it's it's the building blocks again i i always describe moving off and parking up as like the bread in the sandwich lesson because if the bread isn't there all it just falls out you know and you could work on all these things in the middle but if this isn't right and this isn't right it doesn't work. You're always going to have to start. You're always going to have to stop. And everything else you do, you know, if you're amazing at roundabouts and amazing at dual carriageways, but you're going to fail because you don't look around properly when you're setting off or you forget to signal when you're parking there's a car behind you. That's a really important skill. So, you know, once that's developed, everything else is just added on to that. Um, but, yeah, I've just found it really enthralling, really. It's just, it's just really like reinvigorated my passion for the job since I started coaching, you know, because I used to love it when it worked when I was instructing and dictating. 
But I used to hate it when I had someone that it didn't work with. You get clashes, and I never get clashes anymore because it's their way. Yeah, now I must admit, this is sort of me holding my hands up for a second here. I still get the occasional clash. And the reason I get the occasional class is because as much as I try and be a coach, and I think I'm getting better, um, I've still got this personality where I, I get frustrated. And I get frustrated, not by the students. I never get frustrated by them. By, for example, their parents or the attitude that's come from their friends or something like that. Like someone will come and, uh, oh, what was it the other day? Oh, my dad says, oh, no, my granddad says I have to indicate to go around park cars. I'm like, when have we ever done that on a driving lesson? When have you? And then we'll pull up and we'll be talking. It'll be right. Okay. Do you think you need to? No. And we'll go for all this. And then the next lesson, she'll do the same again. And I'll just find myself, <laughs> I'll have this mini rant for about five minutes. But I just go off on one. Then I have to rein myself in and go, no, come on. Let's work with them, not you. But again, yeah. that as I just said, that rant, that wasn't for their benefit. That was mine because I'm frustrated. Yeah, and I'm yeah. taking out my frustration. Yeah, it's yeah. nothing to do with them. It's purely on me. I, I, I get that all the time. That's a very common thing, isn't it? And I say, well, why did you indicate around those parked cars? And they said, well, I'm telling the person behind. I said, well, if you didn't indicate, would the person behind assume you were going to plow into those parked cars? And they go, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm going to tell my mum. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you just have to, like, put the logic to, like, why are you doing that? And they'll go, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could spend all day here swapping stories about this, yeah. but we don't want most people. We'll get another show for that, maybe. Um, but I want to move on slightly because I want to speak a little bit, and I'm going to use the term bullying. I mean, maybe that's not quite the right term, but I'm going to use that term because I know that you've experienced a little bit of this online. Um, and it, it's, it's something I speak about with quite a few people that come in here because I think it's really relevant and everyone seems to have a slightly different way of handling it. And I think it tends to be most prominent in Facebook groups. And it could be because someone's asked a question that someone else deems stupid. So rather than just saying, yeah, you probably should know this, but here's the answer so you know for next time, there'll be a load of abuse. Yeah, yeah. Or someone offers an opinion that someone else doesn't agree with. So rather than saying, actually, I disagree with that and here's why, they offer a load of abuse. And again, I know that you've you've had to deal with this a little bit, so I'd be interested in in your your thoughts on, I suppose, a why you think or where that stems from, and b how you would handle that or suggest people handle that. Um, I've kind of had it this weekend actually. Um, I was at the football, um, and there was a lady behind in her sort of fifties, sixties, and because the goalkeeper of the opposition team was wearing a pink jersey, she thought it was acceptable to shout the word "fact." <laughs> which in you know what year is it love come on um and i put a twitter on uh post on twitter about how i, I reported it um and i got so many great comments um from the lgbtq plus community uh but i also got a lot of shit as well like you're a grass and stuff like that you know horrible comments um but it, it was the same you know with uh you know, with the, the thing we're talking about, <laughs> my, my post about um, gender identification. And it's just, it's just a new thing, isn't it? It's just, people just don't like change. <laughs> um, and it's just those old dinosaur instructors that we have. They're the ones that didn't like it. Um, you, you thought it was a great post, you know, uh, but it was the, the, you know that you know what they are. You, you know who they are. They're just they're just weak, <laughs> and they just don't like change, and they don't like the idea of it. And they, the way that they sort of express that is just with with hate, and you know you have to have to handle it. You know, and I didn't particularly handle that very well. I I deleted all the groups after that because um, I couldn't be doing with all the idiots <laughs> just like in my opinion they were just they just didn't get what i was trying to do with it they just didn't get the fact that you know by asking people their pronouns i was just trying to make people feel comfortable um as, as you do but they talk it as what you're trying to it, almost like i was asking people you know 
who they like to have sex with on the first driving lesson, which would be obviously really inappropriate. But the people were coming at me with that. And it was just about, you know, people, maybe transgender or anyone, you know, from LGBTQ that looked to book a lesson and they saw that on my website or they saw that when I send them like an introduction text, they'll think I'm safe. Yeah. You know, and it's all about that. And it's sort of the same, you know, if you get on a, on a bus and you, you know, if you, if say you were transgendered and you went on a bus, you wouldn't feel safe straight away. You'd have to sort of scope it out. So it was my way of think, you know, just showing people that when you come into my environment, you're in a, you know, non-judgmental and tolerant and equal environment. And that's all it was about. But obviously people didn't take it that way. <laughs> I think I do want to touch back on a couple of points you mentioned there because I think they're relevant and key, actually. The first of which you mentioned, you handled it badly. And I think that's really, really relevant that you're owning that. Because there is a way to handle this stuff and not everyone can always handle it brilliantly first time. I've had some stuff before, not not in the same scale you've had, but where I've just gone, right, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, and you've got to walk away. And it's not necessarily the best way to do it because we, it's really difficult, but not to let those people affect you. And that's what I mean about you're owning it. You're not going, yeah, well, I did this, then everything was brilliant. I think... <laughs> You know, I, I think I spoke to you briefly about it at the time, and I can remember saying that, like, with regards to the post, I didn't feel there was anything wrong with the post. I felt that it was maybe a touch. I think the way you worded it, there was a hint of, you must do it this way rather yeah, than yeah. in a session. But yeah, even definitely. that, there was two ways to read it. It wasn't a definitive like this. But like you said, I think the key was people's reaction to it was melodramatic. It, it was just really melodramatic. And and like you said, it, it's all you were doing when you break that down was trying to be nice. That That's literally it. You were trying to be nice and suggest a way that other people could also be nice. And I just want to touch back on that pronouns thing for, for a second, because, again, this is where two people can have a different approach and not disagree over it. Because I, I don't ask people their pronouns for lessons. I don't. But the reason I don't do that is my choice is that I they would almost know mine. Because in everything I do on this Zoom call now, it says Terry Cook, he, him. Um, and on the website and on the Facebook, there's pride flags and there's stuff like that. So my take on it is that because I'm displaying that, I don't need to ask beyond that, if that yeah. makes sense. And I find yeah. that works for me because the other thing it does, and I think you would probably acknowledge as well, and please correct me if I'm wrong, by displaying that, almost a sense of unity, it turns away or turns off a certain type of person. So that person that would be offended by being asked, you know, he, she, they, them, won't come to you, but yeah. you don't want that person coming to you anyway. Exactly, yeah. Um, like I said, it's it was just it was just to to, to seem uh, to, just to appear inclusive to people that might be thinking, if I book a driving lesson with him, what's he going to be like? Is he going to judge me? Is he going to start asking me if I've got a girlfriend? But I'm actually gay, so that's going to be a really awkward conversation. It was to show people that you know, I think maybe you know, and I've admitted it since that I think it, it was maybe too much to to ask them the pronouns, you know. So now I've sort of taken your kind of way of doing it where it's on my website um i introduce myself with my pronouns um and i've had a majority of the people replying to that message with their pronouns so i didn't ask for them but because i put them on my message they put theirs on their message and sometimes they don't put them and that's fine as well you know yeah. so i've taken that approach that's the one thing i took from the the approach I, I wouldn't say I was bullied but I do feel that it just got me down a little bit it's like I thought I was doing a good thing and I got a lot of shit and, but, and that's what I was disappointed with the reaction of everyone and I thought fuck all these people and just deleted all the groups and I think that was why I reacted badly to it the thing I found interesting uh, from a almost a neutral's perspective almost was 
but sorry, not only, taking a step back and look at it, I realised why it bothered you. It, and I'd never really twigged it before. And all these, you had people coming on and coming and saying, well, if you can't take it, you shouldn't have put the post. Yeah, yeah. Which I would almost agree with if yeah, only totally. one... No, no, if only one person had replied. Yeah, it was a barrage of yeah. people. And, and I think that's the thing. You were you were responding to, I mean, it, you know, the mistake was putting it in 20 groups at once. So, yeah. so you were responding to literally hundreds of people. Yeah. So all it takes is for one person to make that negative comment. Yeah. No one else needs to make it. Read the no. comments. That comment's been made. You can then yeah. respond to that. No one else needs to make it again. But I, I just find it fascinating. And, you know, on a much, much lesser scale, an insignificant scale, but I'm going to mention it because I think it, it it's worth mentioning. I put a post up recently. I put a meme up. I think it might have even been today of um, taking the mick out of the, the, the five driver faults on your test. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned about if you get six on your test, someone will be, your driving instructor won't be happy. And I think the second comment on there was... Um, you should have put five. And then the third comment was complaining that I put minors rather than driver faults. I'm like, oh, come on. It, <laughs> false. it doesn't matter. Secondly, yeah. it's clearly a joke. It's a meme. Yeah. It's that, that I think with people have that, I don't know if it's defensive or they want to prove you wrong or whatever. I think that there's something there. And when you say something, like for what I did, wasn't particularly provocative, but what you did yeah. was provocative to those people, yeah, which yeah. just just spurred that on. But... I feel like you handled it well in the long run. I think Let's it's like way. a, I think it's like a pack mentality thing because once the first negative, once dickhead one had wrote what he wanted to put or she wanted to put, then the other dickheads weighed in with it as well. And I saw that with my tweet at the weekend. There was, you know, it's had like two hundred likes. It's had tons of retweets. It's been probably my most successful tweet ever, uh, unintentionally, and then. Probably a good eight hours into the post, that's when I got the first negative one, and then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So it's that pack mentality. Once someone starts, they all they all weighed in, and that was very similar with that one as well on the the driving instructor page. It's uh, <laughs> it's same what we spoke about before with coaching, and you put a post of that coaching, and someone's going to be on that in the in the same sort of way. Um, one of the things I've done is I've really really monitored myself on groups i've left some groups i've unfollowed some groups um because there are some that are worse than others and and now i'm in a select few and i only really post especially about the instructor in four and all those four i've checked with the admins to make sure they're okay with posting that um because i I don't want to deal with the crap there's no need for it so i'll go to these ones that, that i've chosen but um but yeah i think it's I think it's interesting. I think the whole thing's interesting. Um, all right, so I have taken up plenty of your time already. So I am going to move on to, to, to start wrapping this up. So I'm going to ask you, uh, we had a brief chat about this beforehand, but I'm going to ask you to leave us with a, a book recommendation. What It could be your favourite book of all time, or it could be something that you think would benefit from reading, or, or what are you going to offer us? Um, well, as you know, I'm not like a, a massive book fan, uh, despite all the books uh, that you can see in the background, unless you're listening on the podcast. Um, but yeah, the best book in the world is The Faraway Tree. And I know that someone else, one in one of your podcasts has said this, and it is the best book ever. And if you haven't read it, you might as well have never read books. It's awesome. Yes. Um, any book that gets recommended twice, I odd immediately. So or does Faraway Tree and enjoy it. There's yeah. a guy called Moonface in it, and he's like one of the main guys, and he's awesome. Uh, I'm also going to give a quick shout out to, to uh, Sarah Baldock, who uh, did that. She was on the Patreon Green Room podcast last week. And if you haven't checked that, head over to patreon.com forward slash instructor because uh, Sarah is well worth the money. And um, yeah, she'll definitely be back on the show, as will you, like, clearly. Um, so yeah, so, so appreciate that book. Just take a moment to promote yourself. Tell us where people can find you and what you're up to now. Okay. Well, at the moment, I am doing driving lessons and driving instructor training uh, in the Preston area. Um, that's 
all aspects of driving instructor training, standards check, training for people that are about to do a standards check or people that just want to be a driving instructor. So you can find all of that on my website, which is leesperry.com. We can also find uh, the Five Minute Fairy on there as well, which is good. You certainly can if you look hard enough, it is there. I, if you look hard enough, it needs to be more prominent then, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> you, uh, all that stuff will be in the show notes, including the, the various aspects of social media. Um, is there anything else you'd like to, to discuss while you're on the show, Lee? Oh, I think we've, we've pretty much discussed everything, I think, Terry. But um, I will be happy to come back on and talk about more things if you can think of more amazing things to ask me. There are always more amazing things to ask. Um, no, I, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on. It's been been fascinating for me speaking to someone who's taken a similar journey to me around coaching, but is further along the ladder. And um, yeah, probably yeah, very similar journey, but further along. And uh, kind of, it's nice speaking to someone who's had that tradition. So I really do appreciate you coming on. Thank you. So again, a big thank you to Lee Sperry for taking the time to join us on this episode. Another great show we brought to you there, looking at the journey that Lee has taken from when he was uh, a successful driving instructor with 100% pass record over a year, where people were coming up from London to get lessons with him. Um, was it a, a lifetime guarantee of lessons if you don't pass first time. And then completely switch it around and becoming this this awesome expert coach who now delivers part free training and standard check training for driving instructors. I think that's a, a smashing transformation. And the other thing I liked was how he's willing to, to diversify, which is a lot of what this podcast has always been about. So changing from instructing to coaching and going and working with people who needed uh, special adaptations making to the car and all that kind of stuff. That's what this show is about. And I really enjoy that conversation. I find it very motivating and I hope you do too. So if you enjoyed the show, make sure you go leave it a nice little five-star review wherever you're listening and subscribe so it drops into your feed every Sunday with a green room dropping midweek as well. And be sure to go and check out the patreon.com forward slash instructor to get access to even more instructor goodness, a regular dose of CPD. But for now, stay safe. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So the show has indeed finished, but you are indeed still here. So clearly you are a fan of the quickfire questions or... You couldn't find the skip button quick enough. Either way, uh, Lee has been kind enough to hang about and um, finish up with these seven quickfire questions. So are you ready, Lee? I am ready as I'll ever be, Terry. Or as some people may refer to you, Lee Blackburn Rovers Football Club Sperry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is the full title that is on my driving license. Yes, we will save that for another podcast on another time. So, here we go. First question dog or cat? Cat, bad choice. Um, it depends if you like an emotionally shallow animal. If you prefer that, then you can stick with your dogs. Yes, um, <laughs> she would leave me for a cookie. Um, okay, kind of answered this, but I'm going to ask again what is your favorite book of all time? Uh, it's The Faraway Tree, it has to be. Would you ever consider going vegan? Yes. What is your favourite film of all time? Moulin Rouge. Good shout. I like it because that <laughs> may also be mine, depending on what mood I'm on. What do you call your students? You call them students, pupils, learners, customers? Customers. And customers. You, are there to serve, you are there to serve them, so never forget that. Okay. Uh, what's the proudest achievement in your life? Uh, meeting my husband and marrying him. Is that because he's sat over there? Uh, no, it's because he's wonderful. But Fair he is enough. also sat over there. <laughs> um, <laughs> give me one goal you, you've got to achieve in the rest of your life. One goal. Um, oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Um, I'd like to see Blackburn Rovers return to the Premier League. That, that is my ultimate goal that I'd like to witness, I would say. Give me one goal you would like to achieve, not your <laughs> football club. What oh. goal would you like to achieve? Um... 
I've, I, I suppose I'm always trying to be better. So I'd like to be the best um, ADI slash ADI trainer that I can be um, and see where it takes me. I'm very open-minded to that. And there is definitely a better chance of that occurring than Blackburn Rovers came back in the Premier League. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> All right. Um, on that note, I'm going to thank you again for joining us, Lee, and thank you again for stopping back for this little bonus round that uh, I hope people are hanging about to the end to listen to. <laughs>